Justin Fields showed a lot of what we needed to see from him in his first game back against the Detroit Lions, and it felt like he did just about everything the Chicago Bears asked of him. You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. You can follow me on Twitter at CoxSports1. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at LockedOnBears. You can like Locked On Bears on Facebook. Join the Locked On Bears Facebook group for even more Bears talk. And make sure you hit that subscribe button on the Locked On Bears YouTube channel to keep up with all of our video podcasts as well. Thanks for making Locked On Bears your first listen today. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked On Bears is brought to you by our friends at GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use our promo code LOCKEDONNFL for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. On the show today, we check in more deeply on what we saw from Justin Fields. From an evaluation standpoint of these last seven games of the season, everyone talks about as Justin Fields' final audition, the chance to prove himself to be the long-term future of this franchise or perhaps another franchise, but regardless, an opportunity to show what he can do. And so there's, I think, a certain set of criteria that we're looking for from Justin Fields. It's like, okay, what does he need to prove? Let's see if he can prove that. And let's look at this Lions game to see how he's starting to do on that track of proving that and showing what he is capable of and what he can do for a team, whether it's the Bears or someone else. So I want to talk about what we need to see or what we have what we want to see Justin Fields improve in, what he's showing so far in this Lions game, what we still need Justin Fields to keep doing over the final now six games of the season, and also the role that his supporting cast, both the coaches and teammates, play in Justin being able to do those things that aren't always perfectly individual. You can't fully isolate the quarterback from his supporting cast when it comes to some of the things we still want to see from Justin Fields. But big picture, right? If we take a step back before the Lions game, coming back from injury, what did we want to see from Justin Fields over the final stretch of the season to say, yes, he is the guy. And of course, I mean, broadly, we want to see high level quarterback play right? Offensive consistency, growth, dynamic playmaking, and and specifically growth in areas that he had struggled with up to this point, or that he had been inconsistent in up to this point, and find more consistency in those areas. Because I think we can all agree, over the course of Justin Fields' young career, there have been moments where he's like done just about everything well. He just doesn't always do everything well all at the same time, and he doesn't do that consistently enough, right? We've seen him do anything you could ask a quarterback to do in the NFL. He is capable of doing so, but a lot of it has been trying to do more of those things at the same time and then have those things happen at the same time more often over an extended stretch of time. And so what that means is we need to see him be a downfield passing threat playmaker, a guy who can take shots downfield and connect with receivers downfield, generate explosive plays with his arms, with his arms specifically, 
We need him to see be somebody who can generate explosive plays with his legs and be a dynamic rusher in addition to being a dynamic passer and not being too one-dimensional in either one of those areas. We need to see him be a guy who is effective at maneuvering the pocket, not leaving the pocket too early, not staying in the pocket too long, knowing when to step, when and where to step up and around pressure to extend plays intelligently without ex- without overextending plays, holding onto the ball too long, taking unnecessary sacks or, or putting his offense in more difficult situations. We need to see him be a guy who can take the check down when he needs to, but isn't overly reliant on the check down. I mean, these are all kind of generally things that you want to see any quarterback do, but specifically, you know, for Fields, some of these things he's been better at or and others things he's been not as good at. And so that's sort of the, the point that I want to get to here. But I think it's important that we we start with sort of the base level like criteria that we are looking at from Fields there, but being able to throw with anticipation is another one of those things. Better anticipation we want to see from Fields over the stretch. And then just like general offensive operation, getting getting to the line of scrimmage, getting guys set, getting the play call in consistently, getting guys in position, audibling or adjusting plays, making calls at the line of scrimmage to get into, you know, whether they're killing a play or, you know, flipping a play or changing the protection on a play or adjusting around on a play, you know, that sort of quarterbacking field general offensive operation. We want to see more from fields. We, or we want to see fields be consistent in, in that area as well. So that sort of sets the stage for what we wanted to see from Justin Fields. And I think as you heard me list off some of those things, you're probably already thinking in your head, some of those things that we saw in this game, right? We saw, we saw areas of fields hitting DJ Moore on the, I think it was 39 yard touchdown pass over the top on a second and 20 where he stepped up around pressure in the pocket, hung in there, didn't bail out of the pocket, but felt the pressure and didn't let it throw him off and delivered a, a dime in the end zone. We saw the downfield passing. We obviously saw the rushing. We saw his ability to use his legs to be a playmaker and pick up key first downs, keep this offense going both in the design running game in terms of read option, but also as a scrambler, as a quarterback. We saw him get out of the pocket and make plays with his with his legs to set up the arm and, and you know, get rolling out even in plays that weren't design rollouts, but getting out of the pocket and then still throwing and not making every play that he left the pocket become a scramble downfield. And we saw him generally take really good care of the football. He had one pass on the left sideline that was, I would call a dropped interception or very possibly interceptable ball there. But I went back through all Justin Fields throws like that was the only pass that was ever anywhere close to being quote unquote, you know, in harm's way. I guess he had a batted pass at the line of scrimmage. I don't know if you want to count that, but in terms of like negatively graded throws that would be in harm's way that could have risked a turnover. That was the one. And you know, one in one game, that's that's something you can live with. That's that's enough. That's checking the box, right? Sure, you could do better, but that's passing grade quarterbacking in that specific area. And of course, across the board, a lot to really like from Justin Fields in this game against a first place Detroit Lions team that you can nitpick. Yes, their defense has struggled this season, but they're still an eight and two football team. Like the defense hasn't been so bad that it's costing them games. Like they're still able to win football games with this defense. So you can you can nitpick the defense struggling for sure. And there, there's valid points to be made there, but still Justin Fields deserved credit for what he individually did in this game. That being said, there's still always room for improvement. And I want to go through a little bit more of what Justin Fields showed in some of these categories and still what we need to see still from 
Justin Fields, who again, had a very good game, but we still need to see six more games of very good games. We'll go through what's still left for Justin Fields to show and do over the remainder of this season, and then the role that everyone else around him plays in that process next on Locked on Bears. The Locked on Bears podcast is brought to you by our friends at Game Time. Game Time is here to help you get tickets to all of your favorite live events. Not just Bears games, but theater shows, concerts, comedy, you name it, they've got it at Game Time. And I'm looking ahead at Lions at Bears. You can get upper level seats for 133. It's the cheapest one I or the best deal I think I'm seeing on my phone right now, but you can get down in the lower levels for under $200 as well with our friends at Game Time and you can see your view from your seat with the Game Time app so you're going to know exactly what you're getting with your ticket purchase. So take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account and use our promo code LOCKEDONNFL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem our code Locked on NFL for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. BetterHelp is here to provide online therapy to help you be your best self. If you've been thinking about trying therapy, BetterHelp is a great way to get started because it's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. I do online therapy every single week, and it's a really important part of my own personal mental health regimen, and I cannot recommend it enough to you or anyone in your life. I don't go to, I'd like to think of it like going to the gym, but for my brain, right? I don't go to the gym because my body's broken, but I go to the gym because I want my body to be its best. And I don't, I don't go to therapy because my brain is broken, but I go to therapy because I want my brain to be at its best. So if you want to find your bright spot this season, check out BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash locked on to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash locked on. Justin Fields did a lot of what we wanted to see him do in this Bears-Lions game. I went back through all of Justin Fields' throws on film, and certainly he was not perfect in accuracy in terms of accuracy you know he missed some throws as every quarterback does perfect perfection in accuracy is not what the expectation is like no quarterback goes a game without missing on a few throws here or there but I think it was important what we were just wrapping up with there in the first segment that like there was one ball that was in harm's way the rest of his incompletions he was 16 of 23 for 169 yards, a touchdown, no interceptions, and a 105.2 passer rating. Seven incompletions. I didn't chart them all, but off the top of my head, having watched it live and thinking through it, I know there was that dropped interception. Okay, that was that was the real bad one. If we if we're gonna call one a real bad one, that was the turnover worthy throw, if you will. He had one batted pass at the line of scrimmage. That's two of the seven incompletions. He had one where he just purely threw it away, and you know, just kind of chucked it to the sideline early in the in the game. That's three incompletions. Then I can remember there's the Tyler Scott deep shot at the end of the game where, oh boy, I watched that play over and over again, and it's not a drop by Tyler Scott, but it feels like it was a catchable ball. And can those things be true at the same time? Like, can it be both catchable 
and not dropped without the defense. Like, I don't know. It's just like, it's a hair off. And it feels like if Tyler Scott, he slows up a little bit as he turns to look up for the ball. And if he could just, if he had stayed full speed a little longer, he would have caught it. Or if Fields had put it an inch to the left, you know, or, or you know, just an inch to a different spot, it would have been catchable. Like, I, I don't, that's a play where I can't blame Justin Fields for not throwing a good enough ball. But it's not a pure drop by Tyler Scott either. I mean, did he misplay it? I don't know. Like, that one's a really tic-tac, like, ticky-tacky, just-missed-it kind of play where I don't really want to throw either Tyler Scott or Justin Fields under the bus there completely because it's just one of those that's so darn close and neither guy was egregiously off. It was just neither one was exactly perfect. And so, you know, that's that's what four of your incompletions then. There was one in the end zone that he tried to rip to, to Robert Tanyan in the red zone that he overthrew, but Tanyan was pretty well covered, so he kind of was throwing that one away. And then there were a couple, you know, working over the middle of the field slash crossing routes that he just sailed a little bit on a couple of guys. I think that's all seven of his incomplete passes as far as I can remember there. Like, he's, yeah, he put a little too much on a couple of them. There was a deep shot to DJ Moore in the end zone earlier in the game before he connected on the one where he overthrew him in the end zone as well. Like, he overthrew three or four passes in this game that were none, and none of them were overthrown into coverage, right? Or overthrown in any kind of risky way. They were just, you know, put a little bit too much on it or thought his receiver might be able to get to it or for whatever reason, the receiver was not able to get to it. That doesn't mean it's all Justin Fields' fault in those plays, but they're as safe of incompletions as you can have there. And they don't strike me as like, oh man, he missed an easy one there, right? None of them were like, oh, how did he miss that throw? You know, where it's a, a curl route or a little check down or something that he just one hops for no reason. And you're like, oh, what a terrible throw. Like they were all like, ah, okay. He put too much juice on that one. Came a little bit too high. Like to me, that's, that's not all that concerning and not something that I need to see market improvement in fields from. Like, I think his accuracy in this game was fine. And he hit on the deep shot. He almost hit on the Scott shot. Like I think things were going well for him in that regard. I think I, I come away from that game feeling like, okay, what did I need to see from Justin Fields? He did hold on to the ball a little bit too long in general, took a, took a couple of sacks that he shouldn't have and let some pressure get to him that he probably shouldn't have. But at the same time, you don't want to totally take that out of his game and then give up some of the other plays when he does, when he does hold on to it long and it turns out to be a very good thing. So like with Fields, I don't think that's something that really hurt him a ton and totally held him back. But sure, it's an area for a little bit more improvement there. There was some issues with, you know, delays of game and getting calls in at the line of scrimmage quickly enough and getting players in position and getting the plays called. And some of that was on Dan Feeney coming in at center and not snapping him the ball. So that's not purely a Justin Fields problem either. I, I just kind of come back to the strip sack, the last play for the offense there that ends up being the safety where Aiden Hutchinson comes in and swats it out of his hands where, yes, you can, you can blame Darnell Wright who's blocking on that play, but you look at fields on that play, he drops back too far. Usually you say for offensive tackles, you get about a 10-yard limit on the pocket. The tackle should not be expected to block a guy more than 10 yards deep down and around the bottom of the pocket. If it's at, if it's at 10 yards, the quarterback should be expected to step up around that in shotgun. But fields drifted all the way back to the full 10 yards and then stopped there and never stepped up around what that right tackle pressure would have been. Fields also on the play drifted to the right. He drifted towards Darnell Wright on his drop back. He didn't drop straight back. He drifted back and to the right, towards the right tackle. Not, in, not intentionally, but something that you might point to as poor footwork or just less than ideal footwork and mechanics on that play that helped contribute to that. You could also maybe point to ball security there, but when 
he's totally not looking and doesn't expect that to be there. I'm not going to kill him on that part. But it's also just this trend of like how many times in Justin Fields' career have we seen him get the ball in the fourth quarter with a deficit, a one-score deficit, and the opportunity to drive down and give his team the late lead to win this game, to finish a comeback. And we have not seen him do it. I think he has one fourth quarter comeback credited to him in his career a couple of seasons ago on, on, you know, at least the way pro football reference has it on their fourth quarter comeback tracker. Just going to see he has, he has one fourth quarter comeback and two game winning drives led by quarterback, which is what I think can be overtime is included in the, in the game winning drive, but for, but overtime is not counted in the fourth quarter comeback drive. So like we haven't seen him finish those games with victories. The problem is though, how often is that not on Justin Fields when they get into the fourth quarter and Amir Smith-Marset fumbles it away to the Vikings last year? Or it's fourth down and I can't remember if it was, I think it was Equinemius St. Brown dropped a fourth down pass that was would have been past the line of scrimmage for, or past the first down marker and the drive ends on a drop pass. Or against the Washington Commanders, throws it to Darnell Mooney at the goal line and he can't get in last year. Like there have been a lot of those situations in the fourth quarter where Maybe Justin could have done something different. Maybe he could have done something quote unquote better. But the reason why they lost that those games wasn't because of a giant mistake he made. Like in the same sense that if Darnell Wright blocks Aiden Hutchinson a little better on that play, Justin Fields doesn't get strip sacked. Doesn't mean they win the game automatically, but Justin Fields doesn't get 100% of the blame for what happened on that play against the Lions. He gets some for his dropback depth and drifting in the pocket and not stepping up around the pressure. There's a pocket presence aspect there that we need to see more from Fields from, but not 100% his fault. And it hasn't rarely been just a horrible Justin Fields play or decision that kills the Bears these fourth quarters. And so over the final six games, like you'd like to see more of that, but you'd also just like to see, hey, if you can just do what he did against the Lions in this game for the first three and a half quarters and do that every game the rest of the way, like that's really what we just need to see from Fields. Do that, do what we saw on Sunday more often every single week. And like that feels like it should be pretty close to good enough. Now, the problem is you get plays like what happened in the end where other players play a factor in this and what Justin Fields is able to do. And also the coaching staff and what they call when they decide to hand it off, when they decide to take field goals instead of going for touchdowns that also affect Justin Fields' ability to show us and show the Bears and show the rest of the NFL what he can do and what he deserves in the rest of his career. So we'll kind of go through how, yes, we try and isolate Justin Fields, and that's a part of the evaluation here, but some of, some of the evaluation can't be fully isolated from what's happening around him. Next on Locked On Bears. The Locked On Bears podcast is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel Sportsbook, America's number one sportsbook. And if you've never played with FanDuel, now is a great time to get in on the action because FanDuel has a good offer for new customers. If you place a $5 money line bet, you bet $5 on any team to win straight up. And if you get that bet correct, FanDuel is going to give you $150 in bonus bets. So not only do you get whatever you won for your $5 bet, but on top of that, an extra $150 to play with at FanDuel. So for example, right now, Bears at Vikings next Monday night football game. Moneyline is Bears plus 146. And so I think you're going to get about, what is that, an extra seven? If you bet $5 on that, you get around $7 in winnings plus $150 in bonus bets if the Bears win that game. Or certainly against the spread, it's Bears plus three and a half 
on the road there. FanDuel makes it so much fun to have a little extra at stake in these games. And like I said, got to get in on it now to get that bonus $150. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and get this NFL season rolling the right way with FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. As much as we, we isolate Justin Fields and look at what he does individually, what did he do on the throw? What did he do with his footwork? You know, how did he handle the pocket? What was the arm angle? Where was the placement of the accuracy? Where was the decision on throwing there versus throwing somewhere else? You know, how did he get through his progression? Was he too quick to go to the check down? All these things that are individually a choice determined by Justin Fields. There's also aspects of evaluating him that are in, I was going to say inextricable. That's not, is that the word? You can't separate from, from the quarterback in, yeah, because inextricable. Yes, that's the word I was thinking of because you can't extricate it. Good. I was right. I shouldn't have questioned myself there. That are inextricable from the other players involved in the play. Like as much as we put everything on the quarterback, the win, the loss, every stat. I mean, heck, we start to put the running game on the quarterback sometimes too. Like there are aspects of football that it's, I mean, it's a team sport and that he can only do so much. And he is not the one calling the plays most of the time. Sometimes in two-minute drills or other situations, he's got some freedom to call plays and change plays and hurry up and have a play ready for his teammates. So, like, but but for the vast majority of the game, right, offensive coordinator Luke Getze is calling the plays. And he's not the one deciding, do we go for it here on fourth down or do we kick a field goal? He's not the one deciding what calls, what coverage calls the defense is in and how the defense plays the opposing offense. You know, and he's also not the one who determines where whether a pass is going to be completed or incompleted because that requires the receiver to catch it and hold on to it and stay in bounds and get two feet in bounds and complete the process of a catch. He's not always the one who can decide whether a pass will be on time or whether the pressure will force him to get rid of it early. You know, some sometimes there certainly is a connection between the quarterback and whether or not he gets sacked on a play. And a quarterback has a lot of control over how much pressure he's under just by how quickly he gets rid of the ball. But there are times when the pressure is so quick that there's not much that the quarterback can do. We haven't seen a lot of that from the Bears, but in general, right, there's so much that is outside of the quarterback's control that can affect how we evaluate the quarterback. And when we talk about and when we hear, you know, that the coaching staff talk about yeah, where we want to see Fields be more consistent over the stretch. We want to see what we, Fields can do. And we talk just ourselves broadly talking about, okay, we're evaluating Fields over the stretch of this game. He's got to be put in positions to be successful there. And we talked yesterday about how Lugetsi was doing some of the things that were helping Justin Fields. They were rolling out. They were doing more rollouts from the pocket that were working well for him, adjusting the launch angle for him, loading up on some shots downfield that were open at times for him. They were getting him involved in the running game both intentionally and also as a scrambler that were getting his confidence up and helping this offense stay alive in drives. And of course, you know, defense was helping out with turnovers and things like that. They were doing things to support fields. There's no doubt he was getting more help in this game than we've seen him get a lot of the time. But then you get to the end of the game and they really took the ball out of his hands. You know, they get with, with a lead and they get, they, they keep handing it off. They get a third and eight, I think in field goal range and hand it off and get, you know, three or four yards and settle for a field goal when they were already in field goal range. And, you know, they don't let him try and throw it in that situation. Or at the very end, you know, before the, the drive before the strip sack, the second to last drive, run, run, pass. And the pass was the one to Tyler Scott. that they, they at least gave him an opportunity there to pass the ball. 
but not before two straight plays of three tight ends pounding it up the middle where everyone knew you were going to pound up the middle. Like there was a lot of not letting Justin Fields really finish the the kill, right? Go for it. Get Hold this Lions team down. This Lions team with an offense that's been able to score consistently for the majority of the season, scoring pretty much anybody, an effective offense. And the Bears were very content to slow things down with, at the end, albeit with a lead that they thought they should be able to hold. But still, throw slow things down at the end, accept field goals as good enough, and not let Justin Fields put the game away until, whoa, all of a sudden... We blew the lead, and now we need Justin Fields to put the game away, and then all the pressure's on his shoulders at that point, as opposed to earlier in the game, when he could have put the game away while he had a lead, while things were going well, while everything was, while the wind was to his back, you know, while the Bears had the momentum and the control and the confidence, and then they sat in the sideline, watched their defense blow the lead and give up, you know, two touchdowns in less than a couple minutes, and all of a sudden... You know, you lose a little bit of that confidence and the pressure comes on and it's like, oh man, I got to go make a play for my team and I got to go do this. And it's, you used to really start to get, you know, you're, you're entrenched in this situation and the tension's up and it's like, ah, and some of that is not, you know, it's not field's choice to hand the ball off in those, those plays. It's not, it's taking the ball out of field's hands in some of those situations where, you know, you can't, you know, you can't kill him for that because it wasn't, it wasn't him. You know I mean? It just wasn't him in that situation. And certainly you can make an argument about the Tyler Scott play. Whether that was Scott's fault or Fields' fault, I again find myself feeling like a little bit of both in there, which is kind of a cop out, but it's not. I mean, I, I do think like Scott was open, but wasn't a perfect pass, but also was close enough. We, we we talked about it, but like there's just enough different aspects in there where it's like, man, some of that you just can't purely say Fields did didn't or didn't do well enough on because he just wasn't put in a position to do so. You know, he he can only throw the ball. He can only deliver the pass to a spot. Everyone else has to catch it, make plays after the catch, hold up in pass protection, run the ball effectively, call plays that will have receivers open and run routes that get open. I mean, you know, I mean, there's there's a lot of different aspects of this that go in around Justin Fields that when the supporting cast is playing well, it makes it a lot easier for Justin Fields to play well and to have a more, uh, you know, favorable evaluation of Fields. And when other players around him are playing poorly, Fields can't always completely overcome everything else going around him poorly. And that's not like no very few quarterbacks can totally overcome things going around him terribly. Like every quarterback needs some degree of help. It's just a matter of how much we're seeing that with Josh Allen in Buffalo right now, struggling like a guy we thought was an elite quarterback, a guy that we saw Justin Fields was supposed to be striving to be. And now we're seeing, you know what? Some warts over there in Buffalo. They fired their offensive coordinator, despite Josh Allen, you know, being the offense still generally playing decently, but Allen making some mistakes in there because beyond Stefan Diggs, they don't got a lot for him over there in Buffalo. So like there's no such thing as a quarterback who doesn't need some level of help. It's just a matter of how much help they're going to get. And that's part of the evaluation process for fields in the same way that it's part of the evaluation process of, of Josh Allen right now. And it was part of the evaluation process of, of Jalen hurts as well. You know, those guys got those receivers and other playmakers and additions to their team and played a lot better. And as you're seeing with Josh Allen, when that starts to deteriorate a little bit, Quarterback play starts to deteriorate a little bit too. So there's an inextricable link here between quarterback performance and supporting cast performance. And then also, you know, the coaching staff certainly playing a factor in there and certainly one where we don't have a ton of confidence in that aspect, the coaching aspect with what Fields is getting right now in Chicago. So that's sort of the the immediate progress report on Justin Fields. It was only one game coming back from injury. It's not going to dictate 
his future based on just that one game, but it's the first part of the sample size of the remainder of this Chicago Bears season. I'm looking forward to seeing what Justin Fields does on Monday against the Vikings, then after the bye week against the Detroit Lions once again. You can be sure we're going to break it all down for you right here on the Lockdown Bears podcast. So make sure you hit that subscribe button on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. That's going to be the best way to keep up with all of our daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. Thanks for making Locked On Bears your first listen today. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Really appreciate everyone who tunes in, whether it's your first time tuning in or your 1,000th time tuning in. We've literally done 1,000 Locked On Bears episodes over the course of six years here. But hey, no matter what, every time you know, you're going to get another opportunity to bear down.